This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. This is William Tincup, and we have Scott Willoughby on uh, from Brainium. We're actually going to be talking about a really fun conversation. So I'm look, I've been looking forward to this podcast for a couple of days. The topic that we're going to be going back and forth on is the future of hiring. What HR leaders can learn from the gaming you know, community. And uh, so Scott's going to kind of take us into that world a little bit. And so without any further ado, uh, Scott, why don't you introduce yourself and also introduce Brainium, if you don't mind. Absolutely. William, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, my name is Scott Willoughby. Uh, I'm COO, Chief Operating Officer at Brainium Studios. We're a small independent mobile game maker based in Portland, Oregon. Uh, the company's been around since about 2008, started by two college friends who went to school here in, in Oregon and decided to start making games kind of at the dawn of the app store in 2008. And we've uh, we've grown ever since then. I joined the company about two years ago and we've doubled in size since then. We uh, we doubled through the pandemic, actually, did a lot of hiring during that. And it's been a, been a really exciting ride. The company's continued to grow. The industry's had a, a real explosion in in interest and in users, especially over the last year while people have been locked up at home. Um, so it's it's been a great adventure and it's it's been a really interesting ride in taking a very small company. When I started, I was employee 14 and I think we just had number 35 join this week. Oh, so wow. we've, uh, we've been growing quickly and especially doing it all remotely and, and through the pandemic has, has been a really interesting adventure, but um, it's been a lot of fun finding and identifying ways to bring really unique, interesting, and super talented people into a business that has a, a really interesting culture. I love that. What, what's the hiring pro- uh, process look like for Radium? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, we've been using a lot of sort of the, the typical tools in terms of job posting. We work with recruiters, external recruiters sometimes right. to help source candidates. Um, but beyond that, once we actually get people in the, in the pipeline, it, it, that's where it gets a little bit interesting. Um, I don't think we look at candidates the same way a lot of companies do. Uh, I, I'm fond of saying we like to hire for potential rather than pedigree. So we don't always look for, you know, how many years of experience do you have? What kind of education do you have? We never post educate. We never include education requirements on any of our job posts at any level. Um, and we really do look for people who express a sense of, of passion and interest and curiosity about, about the role, about the company, about the industry, and are really looking for opportunities to grow and be innovative. So we get people in roles from really unusual backgrounds for, for, ind- for our industry, specifically, uh, more broadly, the tech industry and, and technical roles. In fact, you know, we have engineers that were English teachers. We have engineers that are completely self-taught. We have one person who joined recently whose background is actually as a mechanical engineer. He just sort of got bored with that and started teaching himself how to code. And this is his first ever engineering job and he's spectacular. Um, and it's it's interesting to see that because what we found is that really focusing on that sense of curiosity and that passion about the field 
is a much better predictor of success for us than, than as I said, pedigree. And I'm looking at somebody who might have a, a really top-notch education and has many, many years of experience doing the same thing with a large company or something, um, hasn't been a great predictor of somebody who's going to fit, mostly because those people can often be very set in their ways and we do things a little bit differently. I'm not an engineer, I'm not a technical person, but we have a really unique engineering culture. We have a really unique design culture. And uh, we find that people who come in and are willing to try different things and maybe be informed by their past experience, but not beholden to it, tend to do much better with our company. I like that. I like that a lot. And, and there was a couple of words in there that I really kind of keyed in on passion, curiosity, potentiality. How you know, first of all, how do you evaluate for that? Or how do you ask questions around that? Or how do you l- listen for the story, you know, arcs coming mm-hmm. out from candidates? So how do you cue into that? Um, you know, and or how do your hiring managers and those that are in the process, how do they listen for those keywords? There are a few things. I think starting very early on in the process, when when looking at resumes and looking at cover letters, um, this, this is a little bit old school, but, you know, we really look for things like, how, how is your resume formatted? How are you, are you paying attention to spelling and grammar? Did you write a cover letter that's specifically for us? Right. right. That, that sense of looking for people who are really interested in this company and this job and not just looking for a job anywhere uh, is, is a really important cue for us. Um, but then once we get people in, our hiring process is probably pretty extensive, especially for such a small company. Usually folks will talk to between five and eight people in the company before they get an offer. And that's at at all levels from their peers to folks in other departments who who might not be super senior, but have been with the company for a long time. We spend more time interviewing for culture fit than we Mm. do for technical skill in most cases. Right. And a lot of that is just through lots of conversations in our more technical roles, like engineering roles, there are certain engineering questions and, and tests that we have people go through to, to demonstrate competency, of course, basic competency and how we do things. But really a lot more time is spent on evaluating for how, how are they exhibiting creative thinking and interesting approach and a willingness to learn and a willingness to identify and figure out what, what we refer to as brainium solutions for problems rather than typical solutions. And, you, and you're looking for diverse backgrounds. I mean, everyone's looking, everyone, there's a, thankfully, a uh, hundred years late, but we're looking for more diverse and inclusive kind of, kind of candidates, but y'all are, y'all, y'all kind of take it a step further in that you're looking for people from diverse backgrounds. You're really, really, really pushing the envelope and trying to find folks with different types of backgrounds to, again, you can teach them certain, you can teach them a lot of this stuff. Uh, yeah, they have to have certain competencies, of course, but but there's a lot of this that can be taught. Take us mm-hmm. into that world, like when you're looking at someone's background and they've got something that's maybe atypical, or you know, like me, uh, I have a I have a BA in art history. You know, if I were to apply to Bradium, you know, I'm sure people would probably <laughs> probably ask the question, you know, how does A apply to B? Uh, mm-hmm. But but take us into the diverse backgrounds part. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there are a few things. One, I'll say one of our co-founders, Jake, who's sort of the engineering head of the company, he he has an uncanny knack. I don't necessarily how, know how he does it, but he has an uncanny knack for spotting little things in people's resumes or conversations with them 
that he's able to just hone in on and say, you know, maybe this person doesn't actually have the right experience or maybe their skill level isn't where we'd like it to be for this particular role, but there's something about them that is really exciting and tells me that would be a really valuable person here. Um, so that's a little bit of magic and I can't explain it and I can't teach it. So I won't try right, to, right. but, but yeah, what you're talking about, you know, you're being in art history my background, my BA is in communications and I have another one in biology and the master's is in film producing, but my career has developed in marketing and product management and now executive management. I have literally never taken a class or a course on any of those things. So what I think actually matters more for us and where I've seen real success, not just at Brainium, but with people that I've hired in other companies too, is finding someone who is really passionate about what they're doing, has a really curious and creative approach to how they see the world and finds a way to build a discipline based on their strengths and their interests around the work they're doing, right? Like when I, when I kind of fell backwards into marketing in the, in the tech industry, I had no training in marketing, but I did have training in film and it was an area I was passionate about. And what that really boils down to is storytelling. I was doing you know, creative development in the film industry for several years. And that's where I built my discipline from in, in the marketing space was from a storytelling perspective. I, I still maintain possibly incorrectly, but I'd like to believe it's true that I was probably one of the first people, if not the first person to, to use the term brand storyteller. And people used to look at me like I had lobsters crawling out of my ears, but now I feel like I see it on resumes all the time. It's a very common term um, as, as really having a storytelling discipline and connecting with users on that level has become sort of stock and trade for marketers nowadays. So it, it really is finding somebody who's passionate about what they're doing. And even if they don't have the skill in the background and the quote unquote correct experience, they're really excited about it. And they're really going to take a, a unique approach. And that's why we really try to hire for what we call diversity of diversity of thought, right? People from different backgrounds who are going to approach problems like tip somewhat typical problems, but from different different ways. So we're not doing the same thing everybody else in the industry is doing. We're not relying on the sort of go-to or standard solutions for things. We're really trying to look at a problem with, with new eyes and say, okay, what's the best solution? What's the right solution for our users and for our business and for our people uh, to, make, to make this company and our products and our audiences really special and, and have the sort of craft and attention and care that we like to put into everything we do. I love that. And I love that you bring, bring things back to the brainium way, you know, because, because that's, that's been so far, that's been kind of a theme that you bring things back to, you know what, we're not trying to be Amazon. We're not trying to be, you know, pick another firm. We have mm -hmm. a certain way and it's, it's, it's got to fit us. Um, but we're looking for people that actually don't fit us. You know, they, they kind of want, they, they, we want some disruption. We want people with diverse backgrounds, diverse thought, uh, Etc. Um, I know that uh, coachability or the uh, the willingness to learn is also important to Brainium. So take us into that. How do you how do you how do you key in on that in either a resume or uh, an interview or LinkedIn or something like that? Like how do you know if that candidate has really got an appetite uh, for for learning? Yeah, that's, that's another interesting thing. So a lot of times, I think sort of typical recruiting processes will see career movement or career change as sort of a, a bad thing or a, a you know, yellow flag, if not red flag for people. 
I actually like that. I like seeing people who've moved around to at, to different places and had different roles in their career and tried different things, because I, I think it really does speak to that that element of curiosity and initiative and a, a willingness to try new things and, and, and new approaches. You know, when I see somebody who's been at one company for their entire career, and, and we actually have some of those at Brainium, we have really great retention. So that's it's not a knock against anybody, but it always raises that question of, are you leaving that role because you want to try something new and find a new way to do things? Or is this just kind of a rope job change and you're really locked into that way of doing things? Like, do you want a new experience, a new adventure? And uh, really that is, that is one of the things that, that helps us out in that, that coachability and that, that learning mentality is people who are looking for a change and are looking for different things. And that speaks back to that kind of diversity of experience. But within the company, we've built a really good culture of sort of peer mentoring and peer coaching. Um, people, we partner people with, with peers when they come into the company, regardless of how senior or junior they might be, more to learn sort of our approach to thinking about things and our culture more than anything else. It's not always about learning technical skills. It's more about just learning the way we think. For the engineers, they do these great fun times every Friday where a different person leads kind of a, a class on a different element of engineering. And it could be a, you know, a new programming language or a graphics rendering thing or whatever. I could, I could keep pretending to throw out technical terms that I understand, but I won't. But um, you know, they do that. You know, my, my team across operations, we meet and discuss areas of the gaming industry all the time. We have continuing education support programs for people. We encourage people. Last year has been a, a downtime because nobody's been traveling, but like we send people, everybody gets to go to conferences and industry events every year, fully paid, travel included, just because we want people getting out and being involved with the industry, seeing other things that are going on, learning from peers in different parts of, of the industry and in related businesses. So they're always thinking about new and different ways to approach things because even as we grow, like we don't want us to get stale in the way we're thinking about approaching things and, and get to sort of uh, canned answers for things. We always want to be thinking about new approaches and, and, and fresh perspectives on how we can do things. It's very refreshing because, and again, we'll get to the post-COVID stuff, um, but I think it's really refreshing because so many people look at training and learning as um, that this is, if I, if I train them, then they'll leave. Or mm -hmm. if I send them to a conference and they learn something new or meet somebody new, then they're going to leave. And so it's almost like they put up these walls around learning, training, development, et cetera. And y'all have looked at that and said, no, this is actually a retention tool. This is actually a way, this is a reason they, I know you all have low turnover. You mentioned that you have low turnover and low turnover with engineers in particular. You know, I think it's because, well, at least at one, one thing drives that is because you allow people you, you not just allow permission, but you really encourage people to go and learn. Right. Right. And you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I do agree. There are a lot of companies who are a little bit afraid of that, right? You like lock your people down. Don't let them see what else is out there. <laughs> Cause there's sort of this fear that like, Oh, if they, if they get out in the world and see these other companies, they'll think the grass is greener and, and want right. to leave. Right. You know, I actually sort of see that exposure as as a both a retention tool and as a recruiting tool in a lot of ways. You know, mm. as COO, my biggest things with Brainium are one, making sure that this is just a great people for people to do the best work of their lives. 
And if there's one wish I have, it's that everybody who joins this company, whether they're with us for a week or their entire career, at the end of the day, they say, they look back and say, that was the best job I ever had. That was the best place I ever worked. Um, that was a really great, really great supportive place. And if somebody goes out and they're experiencing and talking to other people and they see another opportunity that they want to try outside of Brainium or they think the grass is greener, like, I want to know why. I want to learn that. I want to keep improving our company. And, you know, as successful folks from Brainium do go out into the world eventually, none of them leave currently, but if ever that starts happening, that's good for me. Like, I want people to go out and I want us to have a reputation of like, man, people who come out of Brainium are amazing. Like right. they're doing something right there. What can we learn from them? Um, and I, I really want that to be true. I don't want to believe it's true. There's always a lot of growth we can have. Oh, yeah. And it's also you create a great alumni network. If you create yes. a great experience, you know, the best version of them while they're with you, then they go on and do something else. A, they'll have that thought about this was the best job. But also, you know, they might come back. Uh, you know, they might mm -hmm. go out and do a tour of duty somewhere else and then go, you know what? I really liked it. <laughs> I had it pretty good. I'm going to go back. And you right. know what? If they left on good terms and all that other stuff, they'd be welcomed back. And uh, so I, I think, that, again, that's a that's a cultural thing. That's a mm -hmm. that's something you set up from 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 the jump. And, and you also back it up. Um, let me ask, you know, while, while we while we while we have you, because it's an, important for the the audience to understand kind of the things that you get to see, because you're in a very, very specific industry and looking through a very specific lens. So within that kind of the, the gaming industry itself, take us into this world. Uh, cause you know, for, for most people listening, this might not be their background. Uh, there might be in hiring or, or in HR, but they might not be right. in the gaming industry in particular. Like, what do you see coming out of college? When you see fresh grads coming out of college, it's been such a weird 2020, 2021, maybe even 2022 with their graduates, yeah. kind of a weird time to evaluate, you know, young, fresh grads. But, you know, how do y'all look at talent when they first kind of come out, you get a resume from somebody from Cal Poly or wherever, mm -hmm. uh, what does that candidate look like? What are they, what are, what are they, what do you, what do you think they're great at? And what do you wish that? maybe they would have gotten a little bit more of at college. So there, there are a few things. So one, we've got, we've got a lot of folks that have joined in the last year who are very recent college grads and, and we're super fortunate. We have really talented people who, you know, even as being very early in their career, some of them, this first, their first like real post-college job they've ever had um, like their ability to, step up and show leadership and initiative and, and really like buy into our, our culture of, you know, self-motivation and ownership and initiative it has been just super impressive to see. Um, so I, I have hope for the new generations coming out of college based on the folks that I've interacted with. But we, you know, we see a few things. So there are there's some very trendy development languages within gaming. And a lot of times I think people in college who want to go into gaming, who have a desire to go into gaming, will sort of try to follow those trends, particularly through like AAA development, which is, you know, big games mm -hmm. on consoles, you know, the Call of Duties of the world and things like that. Um, whereas we're a little interesting. So we, we develop on a proprietary engine. We use C++, which is a, a fantastic coding language, but it's not one that a lot of new grads are spending a lot of time with necessarily. Right. So we do find a lot of people will come in and they'll be like, 
just super proficient in other languages, but have sort of minimal exposure to C++. But we also have a pretty unique approach to using that language uh, that's, that's been developed by our, our co-founder, Jake. Uh, so it's kind of helpful in some ways, right? So we really look for people who want to come in or are interested in that. We're, we're also doing some really innovative stuff with another sort of emerging programming language called Rust, and that attracts a lot of people to us. It's a, it's a very interesting sort of cutting edge, object-oriented programming language that we get a lot of interest from our work in Rust. We have a couple of people who, you know, we've hired out of Rust communities online that Jake found in Rust communities that are great and doing really cool, exciting things with it. So what we see are people who are really interested in doing fun and innovative and different things with their engineering career, rather than just getting like a straight up coding job, want to be one of a million coders in a, in a giant company. Right. Um, they really <laughs> want to come in and learn and have exposure to new things and be able to experiment and get a lot of like really deep hands-on exposure to more senior people and people who are going to help teach them and educate them and, and partner with them to develop them. And, and I think what we see out of that is a level of leadership and ownership, even among really junior and really new employees that in my experience, is really atypical and really special. So when you look at, because you keep your eye on, you know, candidates obviously apply maybe to a couple different jobs and they hit your hiring process. It's clearly different uh, and unique. That's obviously giving you some insight into how other people recruit mm -hmm. and maybe some of their processes or interviews or interview questions or the way they go about it. What do you, and not that you'd fix it, <laughs> But what do you see other people doing wrong in their in their hiring of especially technical talent? Yeah, I, you know, I, the biggest thing to me, I think, is disqualifying the wrong people. Mm. Um, I, I think, you know, and this is true a lot for larger companies, especially that just right. have so much brand recognition, that have such a massive pipeline of talent coming in and huge recruiting organizations. You know, you got to filter people out some some way, and I understand that. And, and you know, I think the default ways to do that are like educational requirements, years of experience, filtering for certain keywords. And I understand that there's some efficiency there, but it also has a downside, and that is you get homogeneity of the people that are coming through, right? Mm -hmm. You get the same sort of people coming through the same sort of educational background, the same sort of experience, the same sort of exposure to things because that's what you're looking for. And what that what that hurts is that that diversity of perspective, that diversity of thought. Um, you know, I've, I've worked at very large companies where I see just at certain levels of the company, it's like 95% MBAs out of four schools. Right. And that's, that's right. great. But what you're doing is you're completely eliminating really valuable perspective and really valuable talent that hasn't had that opportunity, whether, you know, financially, vocationally, socially, et cetera. And you're also limiting yourself to a very narrow uh, set of thought patterns and perspectives. Um, I think that's something a lot of large companies actually miss out on. Now, we have the opposite problem that we're a small company. We don't have the same recognition as some of our very large local competitors for talent. So for us, it's a, it's a matter of getting the exposure and getting the pipeline and letting people who are looking for something a little bit different and a little bit um, you know, more unique in their career 
the opportunity to know we exist and know that we are open to talking to people from diverse backgrounds and diverse educational backgrounds and experiential vocational backgrounds. Um, so that's a, you know, that's a challenge for us, but I think the, the flip side is, a, is the challenge for large companies that it, you can get very kind of one note in, in the thinking that you bring into the company. I love it. Last question is kind of, and it's, uh, I'm going to give you a magic wand. And you can, uh, as you look at those that source talent, those that, you know, the recruiters, anybody that helps in the recruiting process, uh, the hiring managers, people that do interviews and candidates, if you could fix one thing, again, you had a magic wand, so you can fix anything. Uh, what would you fix in the hiring process if you could? You know, I, I think the biggest thing would be finding a way to get interesting roles in front of people. You know, it's funny working in gaming and especially in a company that is so predominantly ad monetized within our games, I see the amount of time and talent and technology that goes into being able to match um, consumer ads to customers very, right, very right. precisely, very, right. very accurately. I wish there was a, if I could wave a magic wand, I would have a system that put that some sort of rigor and AI and intelligence and algorithmic horsepower behind putting interesting jobs in front of interesting candidates right? and, and pairing them up. So it's not just a matter of the sheer size and uh, overall brand power of a, of a particular company that is, that is the arbiter of, of who even thinks to apply to them and look at them. I love that. And, and, and what I love about that, just, you know, from a Bramian perspective, but also from an industry perspective is, is it's the, you know, the old marketing kind of axioms of right audience, right, right time, right budget, all of that other stuff. But you, you really kind of even made it even, even better by saying interesting people, diverse backgrounds, you know, interesting jobs, encouraging, you know, thoughtful people like, you know what? It's not a it's not a mass deal. I'm not trying to put mm -hmm. the job ad in front of you know fifteen thousand people or fifteen thousand engineers. You know I can do that, uh, but but is it an interesting gig? And are we an interesting company? And or do we have an interesting kind of background and, and philosophy? And oh by the way, are they interesting? <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, uh, I absolutely love that, and and I've, I've loved this topic and. Uh, I appreciate your time uh, so much because, you know, you're carving out time to educate us and, and bring us into your world. So th thank you so much, Scott. Likewise, William. Thank you so much for having me. This, is, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. 100%. Thanks for everyone listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live Podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com. 